Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. Y'all doing good? It's good to see y'all. Tracy, as Tracy said, Engage is one of uh, our favorite events of the year um, as we as a community go and really share Jesus with people through serving. Um, In fact, in a few minutes, that's what we're going to be talking about. But uh, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Caleb Meeks. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I get to focus uh, primarily on our community groups and our online ministry. Um, But we just love the fact that we get to spend the next 30 or so minutes uh, together this morning. Um, And we are at the end of a series called Life's Biggest Question. And if you haven't been with us, or maybe you have been with us and you forgot the question, um, here is life's biggest question. What in the world am I doing here? What is my purpose in life? It looks like different things to different people, but all of us have asked ourselves, like, what am I doing here? What am I even doing? Like, why am I here? What is my purpose? And ultimately, what we've come up with is this. For those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, our ultimate purpose is basically to make him famous by telling people about him and making sure we take care of people. Our ultimate purpose in life is to point people to Jesus and take care of others around us. And if we do that, we are fulfilling our purpose. And in week one, that's what we talked about is defining our purpose and finding our purpose. That ultimately, if we point people to Jesus and we take care of people, that is the purpose of life. And week two, what we've talked about is how we can fulfill that through God's power in our life, fulfilling our purpose. And then last week, we talked about how worship plays a role in our purpose. And part of fulfilling our purpose in life is worshiping our God. And then today, we're going to talk about seeing our purpose in the everyday through our serving. And obviously, we talked about serving with Engage, and and those are great. But what we're really talking about is each and every day of our lives, we have an opportunity to serve and fulfill our purpose. Now, this series was uh, really based off of a book that uh, Pastor Bobby read 20 years ago and really started our church with called The Purpose Driven Life. And some of you probably read that book or heard about that book. It's one of New York Times bestsellers books. And there's been different uh, iterations of it and versions of it. And if you look at it now, it's a, it has white and black on the front. There's a tree on it still. It says, purpose-driven life. And in the corner, it says, what on earth am I here for? And that's our purpose, fulfilling that purpose. And that's what we're talking about. But in that book, towards the end, he says this in regards to serving. And this is where we're going today. Rick Warren writes this. One of our main purposes in life is to serve God by serving others. You weren't put here just to take up space, consume, and get a free ride through life. You were put here to serve God, and the way you serve God is by serving other people. Now, some people want to serve God, they just don't want to serve others, but you can't do that. The only way you can serve God is by serving others. Now, the Bible has a word for this, and it's called ministry. And when I say the word minister, most people think of a priest or a pastor. They think of somebody who wears funny little collars or a robe, and they talk like God when they're communicating. But that's not what we're we're talking about here. But the Bible says that every believer is a minister. Now, not every believer is a pastor, but every believer is a minister. Ministry simply means using your shape to help somebody else in the name of God. Anytime you use your talents, your abilities, your background, your experiences to help somebody else, you know what that's called? Ministering. And you know what you are? A minister. Now in the Bible, the word service and ministry, same word. And in the Bible, the word servant and minister, same word. 
So all of us are called to ministry. And if you're called to salvation, you are called to serve. And if you're called to serve, you are called to minister. Anytime you use your talent to help somebody else, you're ministering, you're serving. Now here's the good news, and this is what we're gonna really talk about today, is that God not only created us for service to serve people, but he also gave us a model of how to do it. He came to earth himself and said, this is how you do it. How many of you started singing yourself right then, right? This is, I'm not singing, I'll get fired. I want you to watch me. And he, so he came to earth in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and he said, this is what I want you to do with your life. You were created to be like Christ. And what did Christ do while he was here on earth? He served. So how are we supposed to do this? Well, the answer is actually really simple, just like Jesus did. How are we supposed to serve people in our everyday life? How are we supposed to fulfill our purpose in our everyday life just like Jesus did? And here's the good news, is this book right here has every answer in it, and it tells us how to do it. That's what we're going to look at today. When I was in high school, uh, I went to Augusta Christian, uh, second through 12th grade, and my sophomore year of high school, uh, I had the incredible opportunity to go on the first mission trip to Haiti that the school ever took. And just my heart fell in love with the country of Haiti. I, I absolutely hate what's going on in that country right now and all the corruption and governing. We can't even go over there right now. But I developed this heart and passion for the country of Haiti. So when it came to uh, my junior and senior year, we have to take two years of foreign language. And Haiti, in Haiti, their primary language is Creole, which is a dialect of French. So I was like, fine, I'll take Francais in my junior and senior year. Like, sounds fun. We'll figure it out. And what happened is I ended up being a part of something special because of the teacher at Augusta Christian who taught French at the time. Her name was Miss Dawson. And Miss Dawson was loved by all. Uh, unfortunately, she passed away a few years ago due to brain cancer. But Miss Dawson did something incredible for all of us students, something that I'll never forget, but we loved. We had a test on Friday every week. French was on Friday, okay? So that means on Thursday, we get to walk into her class and we look at the chalkboard. And on the chalkboard is every question to the test and every answer to every question. So we only had one job, to write down every question to the test and every answer to the question. It'd be like question number one, here's all the vocab you need to know. Here's all the words and how they're defined. Question number two, here's a verb. Here's how you parse it. And all these different questions and answers. The only thing we had to do, write it all down, take it home, look at it, study it, and then we go back the next day, guess what? It's the same questions and we just fill in the answer. I'll never forget it. It was the easiest thing in the world. And if you failed the class, guess what? It's all on you. She gave you the answer to the test. But here's what I realized is the Bible's the same way. Jesus has given us the answers to the test. It's just up to us to look at them, study them, and apply them to our lives. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at three different lessons that Jesus has taught us on serving. We're going to find the answer, and then we're going to see how we can apply it to our lives. So here we go. Lesson number one. And if you were taking notes today, I'm going to go ahead and apologize because I'm going to fly through a lot of this. There's a lot of scripture today. I got accused earlier in the week of having too much scripture, jokingly, but there's a lot of scripture today. So if you're taking notes, Godspeed. All right, good luck. Here we go. Lesson number one that Jesus taught us on serving. Serving is not about a higher status. It's about submission. Serving is not about reaching the top as known as the person who does everything so well and having high status. Serving is about submission. Here's a lesson Jesus taught on this. Matthew chapter 20, 
Verses 20 through 28 say this. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, kneeling before him. She asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? Probably a popular phrase with Jesus. Like, all right, what do you want? Everybody comes to me. What do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right and one at your left in your kingdom. She's asking for the highest of status that someone could ever have. Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left hand is not mine to grant, but it's for those whom it has been prepared for by my father. And when the 10 heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. And then check this out. He's beginning to teach the lesson. He says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Talking about a gut punch. Here's a mom trying to say, Jesus, will you please allow my kids to have this amazing status and to be with you in your left hand and right hand? And Jesus goes, nah, that's not what it's about. He says, whoever wants to be great must be the servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. But see, these weren't just words Jesus said. These were actions Jesus took. It says, even as a son of man came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus gives us the example to follow. We see this lesson further supported in scripture. And I hope we all have seal toe shoes on because God's been stomping on my feet all week with this verse right here. Matthew 6, 1. Be especially careful when you're trying to be good. When you're trying to do good things, you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. Let me read that again. But be especially careful when you're trying to be good, when you're trying to serve, when you're trying to take care of people because you're making it about yourself so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding. He's like, nope, I'm not going to applaud that. He's not going to applaud it. Paul understood this idea well. He says this in the book of Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. It says, for I am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Question. Am I seeking the when I'm doing things, am I seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Said, I can't do the two things. If my goal in life is for people to think, man, that person is awesome because of what they do for me, at the end of the day, it's about themselves instead of Christ. If we're if our ultimate purpose in life is to point people to Jesus, then when they see us do things, they should say, Man, that person's allowing me to see Jesus through them. See, we have a daily choice to make. We have to check our motives and everything we do. Because if we serve for ourselves, we're serving for status. When we serve for others, we're serving for submission. The story in scripture about two people who went about this in two completely different ways. And both of them had one thing in common and the same opportunity. So I want us to look at these two people. Some of this is written by a guy named Tony Cook, and I have some of my own thoughts in here as well. There's two stories in the New Testament. And these two stories occurred within 24 hours of each other, which is just amazing that these two completely different things happened back to back. They create an amazing contrast of two individuals, two lifestyles, two attitudes, and two perspectives when it comes to serving. The only common denominator between these two stories is they each involve a basin of water, basically a bowl 
of water. And these are popular back in biblical times. There was a basin of water from, used for many different reasons. But these two stories serve as models or examples of choices that everyone must make. And the decisions we make will dictate the course of our lives. In reality, everyone is living out of one according to these principles. One of these principles, you're living out of these two basins. One basin represents status and one basin represents submission. So let's see how these two basins play out. The story of Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate played a large role when it came to the crucifixion of Jesus. And that's what we're about to see. See, as the Roman governor of Judea, he found himself as the highest of high status. He made a lot of the decisions and everyone looked at him because he was at the top of the mountain. He was the governor. He was in charge. All of a sudden, he was thrust into a situation he never could have believed he would be in. You see, the religious leaders and the elite in the community want Jesus dead. They're demanding that Pilate crucifies Jesus. Here is what it says. Two statements that reveal his perspective on this. Matthew 27, 18 tells us that he being Pilate, he knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. There's no legitimate reason that he'd be arrested. It's just like, we're envious of this leader. He's getting so much attention and people are following him instead of us. They're so envious of him, they want him gone. But Pilate, and he says this multiple times in scripture, especially in the book of John, he says, I find no fault in him at all. So he's saying, hey, you want this guy arrested because you're envious of him. I don't really see anything wrong with him. But all of a sudden, he's going to have to serve people for a reason. So what happens? Pilate, the crowd, the religious leaders are saying, hey, we want this guy dead. He has the highest of high status and he has an opportunity to serve. Can he serve to remain his high status or is he going to serve for submission? Matthew 27, 24 says this, Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere. Basically, they're not going to budge and that a riot was developing. So he sent for a bowl of water and he washed his hands before the crowd saying this, I am innocent of this man's blood. Responsibility is all on you. He said, hey, all right, fine. This is what you want. I'm going to put my hands in here. I have nothing to do with this. I'm going to preserve my high status. I'm not going to submit to what I believe is right. I'm just going to wash my hands clean. You see, to Pilate, the basin of water that he called for, in which he washed his hands, represents abandoned responsibility. Pilate did what was convenient and politically expedient for himself. Instead of operating as a man of principle and purpose, he followed the path of fallen humanity and declared himself innocent in order to preserve his high status. He served to remain high in his status, not to fulfill his purpose. 24 hours earlier, shortly shortly before Pilate called for that basin of water, Jesus does the same. Jesus had taken another basin and he used it for a far more godly purpose. We read about this in John's account of Last Supper, and we're going to talk about this again later in the message. John 13 verses 3 through 5 say this, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. Like Jesus has authority over the world. He has the highest of status. And that he came from God and returned to God. So he got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel he had around him. In verse three, we see that Jesus' status is the highest of high. He knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. He knew that he had come from God and he had returned to God. He is at the highest status imaginable. But even though Jesus was aware of that, he didn't do things like we would think. 
See, most of us would think that what Jesus would do is say, hey, disciples, here's a basin of water. Come wash my feet. But he says, no, 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 no. Here's a basin of water. I'm going to wash your feet. He does this by serving through submission. You see, what happens is that Jesus represents kingdom responsibility. And he realizes it's not about getting others to serve us, but about us serving others through submission. Whose example are we going to follow? The example of Pilate and say, hey, I'm going to serve what makes me look best, what allows me to have the highest of status, or are we going to serve like Jesus and say, it's not about me, it's about those around me. Here's another lesson Jesus taught when it comes to serving. Serving is not a plan test, but rather a pop quiz. Which sounds funny because we talked about Engage and how we plan serving events. And again, that's a little bit different. There's days where we plan, hey, on Thursday, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to give food to this person or on Wednesday or Saturday or whatever. But we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is that in everyday life, we never know when we're going to have an opportunity to serve or to minister to somebody. There's going to be instances that happen in your life and all of a sudden you have an opportunity and you have a choice to make. Am I going to serve and minister to them or am I going to miss it? Thankfully, Jesus shows us how he handled these situations. Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 34. So what just happened is Jesus just finished talking to the mother of the sons of Zebedee about being at the right hand and the left hand, how important it is to submit and how important it is to serve one another. And literally the next few verses, a pop quiz pops up for Jesus. Let's see if he allows it to be a pass or a fail. Let me give you a hint. Jesus passed the test. But here we go. Verses 29 through 34. As they were leaving Jericho, so literally the next verse, like he talks about serving, he talks about how the, the slave and the master, all those things, how you should submit and serve. Literally the next verse. All right, we're leaving Jericho. There's a large crowd following Jesus. All of a sudden, there were two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd told them to keep quiet, but they cried out all the, all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus stopped. He called them and he said, what do you want me to do for you? All right, what do you want me to do? Lord, they said to him, open our eye. Move with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately they could see and they followed him. Jesus was just walking down the road and all of a sudden, pop quiz. All right, time to serve. Someone's asking for something. I have an opportunity to minister to them. And Jesus spends time with them. He stops what he's doing and he ministers them. And he changes their life forever. How about this, though? Let's just be real. How about when we're tired? How about when we just want to go home and sit on the couch and turn the TV on and watch the Braves game when that phone rings? We've been working all week. It's Friday afternoon. The last thing we want to do is go spend time with someone in need. Thankfully, Jesus answers that question, too. Check this out. John chapter 4, 1 through 10. He's not going to leave us hanging. He knows what we're struggling with in life. He was a human, too. It says this, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who was baptized, but his disciples. He left, so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had, go, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and then it says this, And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he's absolutely worn out, sat down by the well and it was about noon. So let's just pause right here. Jesus is dog tired, just like us sometimes. He's been walking all day. It's noontime. It's getting hot. 
All the man wants to do is just sit down at the well and get a drink of water. We're going to see in a minute the disciples have left to go get food. Jesus is just dog tired. All of a sudden, pop quiz. Here comes an opportunity to serve and minister to someone. Here's what it says in verse 7. Jesus just sits down. He just propped his feet up. He got the remote. He's about to watch TV. Here's what happens. Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Again, his disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. They go back and forth for a few verses. Jesus is starting to tell her about her life and like, hey, I know about you. I know that you're not really, you're an outcast in your community and you're not really liked in your community. That's why you're here at noon because of your lifestyle. And then, it go, and then it goes on to say this in verse 25. It says, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And in verse 39, it says that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Jesus had a moment of a pop quiz to serve a woman in time of need. He tells her about eternal life. He tells her about who he is, the Messiah. And all of a sudden her life changed. Not only does her life change, she goes to her town, tells people what happened. Their life changed forever. Pass the test. Serving people to point them closer to him. What happens when you miss the opportunity though? There's two moments in my life recently, uh, and they, they, they seem small to probably you, but for some reason they've always been big to me. Both of these uh, instances happened during COVID, um, which is not an excuse by any means. Um, but where I live, on my left and my right, I have two neighbors. Uh, both of them, their kids are grown out of the house. Um, on my left, they're probably in their late 60s, early 70s. And um, Mr. Roy had been diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer. And uh, he was going back to sports in Jacksonville for about six months, getting special treatment and things like that. And um, I would talk to him every time I saw him and he started losing his hair and then it got into his bones and it just wasn't good. Well, one day I just realized like, man, I haven't seen him in like a month. And then I remember being in my truck. I remember like it was yesterday. I looked to my left and I see all these cars start to pull up in front of her house and all this family, they're in suits and ties and they have meals and they're walking into her house. And it hit me all of a sudden, like he passed away. I didn't say anything. I didn't even go to, like, I've, I've lived next to them for six years. I didn't even say a word to him. I didn't say, hey, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I've regretted it ever since. I've missed the pop quiz. Thankfully, God has given me multiple opportunities since then. When I see her, every, every time I see her, I'll talk to her over the fence, like home improvement style. Like, hey, are you doing good? Like, I just want to make sure you're okay. If you need anything, y'all get that later. If you need anything, I'm here for you. On the other side of me, I have a lady whose husband got COVID. And when he went to the hospital, he ended up uh, getting a staph infection and he passed away. And I remember to this day, again, standing in my driveway, I'd got my son out of my truck. He was going in the garage and I look over to her house and she's getting out of her car and she's in a black dress and I can tell her demeanor has changed. I'm like, man, she, like, she looks sad, like she's in a dress. And then I see her kids, her older kids pull up and they have suits on and they're walking into her house. I didn't say anything. And to this day, it's bothered me that in that moment, I had a moment, I could have just said, hey, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm praying for you. If you need anything, just let me know. 
thankfully in God's sovereignty, I've been able to just tell her multiple times since then, like, hey, if, again, if you need anything, I'm here. But those two moments in my life just stood out as pop quizzes that, you know what, I failed. You know what, God and his sovereignty has allowed me to continue to minister to them in multiple ways. So there's gonna be times where we don't pass as well. Let me tell you about somebody in our church, uh, Patrick Gallimore, our student pastor, him and his wife, Tamika. They are someone who has truly turned their misery into ministry. And I'm not gonna tell you all their story. That's their story to tell, but they've experienced some loss in their life. And this past week, Patrick was allowed to have a pop quiz and he passed it with flying colors. He used things in his life to help a family in a time of need that he could walk through that story and that situation with them. There's gonna come moments we never know. You're not gonna wake up one day and say, you know what, at three o'clock today, I'm gonna get a phone call from this person and here's what they're gonna need. There's moments in our life that it's a pop quiz and we have to be ready to serve those and minister to those to fulfill our purpose. Let's look at our last lesson. This lesson is gonna sound really weird, so you're gonna have to let me explain it. Serving starts at the dinner table. Serving starts at the dinner table. And here's what I mean by this. When you look at your life circle, the people around you, you have to start serving with those closest to you. For most of us, that means we start at the dinner table. Those who sit at your table are your innermost circle. That's usually your immediate family, your friends, maybe even your community group. The people you share a meal with on a regular basis are your innermost circle and serving starts right there. If we neglect our innermost circle for those outside of our circle, we're doing it all wrong. Jesus gives us the example to follow. John 13, the story we read a few minutes ago. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God, going back to God, he rose up from supper. He laid aside his outer garments. He took a towel, he tied around his waist. He poured water into a basin. He began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. Let's skip down to verse 12. This is the lesson he's teaching here. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've just done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. You see, Jesus served those closest to him so that they could then go serve those around him. He started at the dinner table, the most important people in his life, the 12 disciples. Even though one was about to betray him, he served him. He washed his feet. He set the example for us to follow. Who are the closest to you? Who's in your inner circle? For those of you who are married in this room or watching online or in the atrium, the most important person in your life on this side of eternity is your spouse. If you're a husband, your wife is the most important person in your life. And if you're a wife, the husband is the most important person in your life. They are the innermost person in your innermost circle. Serving starts right there for those of you who are married. It says this for husbands and wives, Ephesians 5, 22 through 28. Listen, no elbowing the next 30 seconds. Deal? 
No elbows. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, we're not off the hook. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might be present. He might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. himself. Andy Stanley coins this as a a submission competition, that you and your spouse should be competing with each other to submit to one another, to serve one another. The harder you work at this, the better your marriage is going to be. For those who are married, please start serving your spouse. If we neglect the innermost person in our innermost circle, everything is out of whack. Everything is out of order. Once you have that, if you're a family unit, you're going to probably branch out to your children. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. How do we train him? We show him the example Jesus set and say, hey, this is how we live our life. Jesus served these people. I want to set the example for you. You're going to see how I serve. You're going to see how I serve your mom. Your mom's going to see how she serves me. We're going to set this example of training our kids in the way they should go. So when they get old out of the house, they can then live out that example. Then we start branching out of our home. Or maybe you're not married. You have those close friends to you. Our friends, our neighbors, our community. It says this in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, 13 through 14. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, for yourself, for your high status to point people to you, but through love, serve one another. Show them how Jesus did it. It says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We got to take care of those people around us. And then one of the most outermost layers of that circle, and this is something that honestly Pastor Bobby has instilled in me over the last probably 10 years, and something that I think is so important with just the direction our world is going, is that we have to serve future generations. We have to serve generations behind us, and honestly, we have to serve generations above us as well. We see this example in Scripture There's a guy named Paul and Timothy. It says this in Acts chapter 16, verses one through three. It says, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by his brothers at Lystra and Iconium. But then it says this, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Paul noticed something in this young man. He said, I want to invest in him. I want to serve him. I want him to see my purpose in life and help him fulfill his purpose in life. We have to serve future generations. You see, later in scripture, Paul writes to Timothy later in his life, and he's, they've, they've, split their, they've served lots of time together. They've split their ways. Paul sends Timothy a letter and says, Timothy, I'm so proud of you. I've heard about the great things that you have done. You continued this legacy that we've been on together. I cannot wait to come and see you. Who in, that, who in your life can you serve as a future generation? Spend time with them. Allow them to see, hey, this is where we're going. I want you to be a part of it. One thing Pastor Bobby says all the time is that he wants to leave the church in better hands than he received it. The way we do that is by spending time with the future generation. Our students in this world, they are the future generation. 
pointing them in the right direction, allowing them to see, hey, here's the purpose of life, pointing people to Jesus. At the end of the day, nothing else matters. I want you to see the importance of that purpose. Or maybe there's someone above you, maybe it's someone in your, in your life, maybe it's someone at your workplace, and you say, you know what? My purpose in life is to help them fulfill their purpose. My purpose in life is to make sure that I can do whatever it takes for them to finish well. When it comes to our spiritual lives, when there's that person who's like, they're a mentor to you and all they care about is allow, make sure your life is right and they're telling people about Jesus. Hey, how can I partner with them in doing the same for somebody else? Future generations matter. A couple of weeks ago, a man by the name of Charles Stanley passed away. Some of you may know who Charles Stanley is. He's a prominent pastor over the last, gosh, four decades or so, maybe longer than that. His son, Andy Stanley, is a prominent pastor as well. We just talked about him a second ago. But when his dad passed away, Andy Stanley wrote this, and I thought it was a great way to look at how we can serve different generations. And he said, these final few weeks with my dad have been precious beyond words. At the end of every visit, he asked me, the younger generation, to pray for him, to serve him, which of course I did. On my knees beside the big leather chair he was confined to the past several months. But as I was leaving his house this past Saturday, Charles passed away early Sunday morning. As I was leaving his house this past Saturday, he asked if he could pray for me. He found value in praying for the younger generation, for praying for his son. It was as if he knew. Then was as his habit, he said, I couldn't be prouder of you, Andy. Who in your life, maybe it is a father, son, maybe it's someone in your workplace, whether mother, daughter, maybe it's a friend. Who is someone younger than you that you can invest your life in? That you can one day say, I couldn't be prouder of you. You've seen the purpose of life and you're fulfilling it. You're thriving in it. Or maybe you're a younger person who is older than you that you can support. You can allow them to continue fulfilling their purpose each and every day. All of us are called to serve. We're not called to serve for higher status. We're called to serve for submission. All of us are called to serve. And honestly, it's not going to be a plan test. It's going to be a pop quiz. And all of us are called to serve, but it starts with those closest to us, those at our dinner table. The way we do that is we simply follow the example that Jesus left us in this. It's just up to us to apply it to our lives. We pray with me. God, in this moment, we say thank you for who you are. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to this earth. Not only to give us life and the chance with eternal life with you, we put our trust in you, but God, for giving us the examples to follow in life. So God, as we leave this place, as we maybe even see serving differently, it's fulfilling our purpose to point people closer to you. God, I pray that you would allow us to realize that's not about status, it's about submission. That God, when those pop quizzes come up, you would give us the words to speak, the wisdom to navigate, people closer to you. And that God, we would not neglect those who are in innermost circle, the ones you have called for us to do life with each and every day, that we would serve them just as you served us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.